So we're in the middle of this series called Let There Be Joy. And today we're going to talk about, I'm I'm excited about this message because we're talking about how to really keep joy in our lives. The the whole entire series is going to be focusing on joy. This world is crazy. Can somebody say an amen? Amen. And, And there are so many things that can distract us, can steal our joy, can keep us from being happy and fulfilled in this life. Isn't it amazing? Like I remember when I was in college... I, I lived in a trailer house with four other guys. We had five of us all together. Had a $500 vehicle, a part-time job, and no other responsibilities. We didn't even clean dishes. We just bought paper plates. I mean, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't uh, the, the trailer park we lived in, our boss owned it. We were the only people in the whole trailer park. We didn't even have to mow. They mowed it with a brush hog. That's what my yard got brush hogged a couple of times a year. It's perfect. It's fine for me as long as I can get to my house. That's kind of the mentality back then. No responsibility. I wouldn't worry about anything. And then you, you get, we, we got married and got into a married housing, which was uh, cinder block apartments, about this big square, and didn't have a whole lot of responsibility. And then we got into an apartment after, we, after that, after we moved out of that. Then we bought our first house. And then we got a bigger house. And can, how many of you know, the longer you live, the more junk you get. It's just more stuff to take care of. And I watch those shows with the, with the tiny houses, and I go, yes, please. <laughs> right, how about just a shed? Just insulate a shed, put a little, a little oven in it or something. I'm fine with that because the more stuff we get, the more stuff you have to maintain, the more stuff you have to take care of, the more stuff that just like pulls from the happiness of me having stuff. Right? Like, I want to go play with my stuff, but I got to work on the other stuff and change the filters in the other stuff and then mow the other stuff, right? Sometimes in this world, if we don't know how to balance it and we don't get the right grasp on it, it can just take away the happiness that all that stuff was actually meant to give us. So, today we're going to talk about some of that. We're going to jump into Philippians chapter 4. And we're going to stay mostly in that chapter today. We're going to take apart about 12 or 13 verses and uh, just look at. What are some things that we can do, can remember, can put into practice, can pray, can read? What are some things that will help us keep our joy? Now, before we do that, as you're turning, if you brought your Bible, turn into your Bible app, whatever you want to do. Let me remind you of these incredible things right here. These kindness cards are out there on the welcome booth. And I want to encourage you today, if you have not... Jump in and grab two or three or four or 12 or 40 of these things and take them with you and look for ways to spread God's kindness. It says on there, something extra to show you God loves you. So whether that be buying lunch for your neighbor that's a shut-in and taking it to them or giving a big honking tip. Y'all know what a honking tip is, right? It's not 15%. It's not 20%. It's a honking tip. It's like when they see the tip you left them, they make a noise that sounds like a horn, okay? That's... It's a honking tip. Woo! Like that, okay? Like, and then they put this with it, and it is a connection to what God is doing in their life. So let's use this time. When people are looking for opportunities, let's use this card and this time to connect our opportunities back to God. Amen? Super excited about that. And then this Wednesday, did Jenny, she probably announced it, but this Wednesday is first Wednesday again. Really excited about that. If you like the worship, if you like communion, if you like prayer... First Wednesday is for you. The last one we did, the the worship team just did an incredible job leading it. I want to encourage you to come be a part of it. So Philippians, let's jump into chapter 4. We're going to talk about the joy for life. Paul, he he has given a lot of instruction to the Philippian church in Philippians. 
And now he's in chapter 4, and he's starting to summarize it all. Hey, outside of all of the other stuff I talked to you about, about church politics and the things that needed to happen and things that don't need to happen, here's the important stuff Paul is saying. Here's the stuff that, as you move ahead in life, here's the stuff I want you to get a hold of. And he, and he starts this way. He says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. He's wanting, like, whatever goes on in your life, whatever you do for a living, stay true to God. Because that's where your joy is going to come from. You know what I mean? We get stuff. It brings us short-term happiness on December 24th or 5th or 6th, whenever you have Christmas. Oh, it's going to be so much fun because everybody's opening all kinds of stuff we can't afford, and it's going to be awesome. And your kids are going to put it down and go play with the boxes anyways. And you're going to swear next year we're just buying $12 worth of boxes and not $1,200 worth of toys, right? All that kind of stuff. This that we talk about today is really the strength behind all of our joy. There's some temporary happiness that comes from spending time with family, with opening gifts and all that's great, isn't it? Don't, don't you have a fun time doing that? I love that. No, y'all don't have. Do we need to change the message? <laughs> I'll include that in later. We'll work on that, all right? But it can be an awesome time. But the real joy, the real joy comes from a relationship with God. It comes from outside of circumstances, outside of holidays, outside of situation. It comes from that relationship with God. And it comes from not like an afternoon with God, but it comes from an ongoing relationship, understanding who I am in Him and what He wants in me. Amen? Amen. So that's, that's what he says. And so if we keep reading, if you jump down to verse 6, it starts like this. Philippians 4, 6 says, don't be anxious about anything. Paul's going to tell us how to keep our joy throughout this chapter. And he starts this verse and he says, don't be anxious about anything. Now, you've heard me say for probably every season during this season that during the holidays, it's really the most stressful time of the year. It's the best time. It's the greatest time. And in return, there are more people that attempt suicide, that go to emergency rooms, that go to hospitals, that have attempted suicide during, from Thanksgiving to Christmas than the other 11 months combined. And it's not that there are bad things that happen. It's that it comes to the surface during those times. Our, our joy is confronted. Our happiness is confronted. If that relationship to God is not there first, man, things like anxiousness and worry can flat steal it. Right now, look at your neighbor real quick. Look at your neighbor and say, I thought this was going to be an encouraging message. <laughs> and, and it is. We're going to start with these, but we're going to end up encouraging, okay? Because I, I want to I share with you something that I think is legit, like it's real. We come to church. And we put on our best. man. We dress, it's Christmas time. We're dressing up a little more. We dressed up the stage a little more. We're doing a little extra fun stuff. Taking pictures in the lobby. All that kind of fun stuff. And yet, we know the stat that I just talked about from Thanksgiving to Christmas. We know that stuff. So, as a pastor, I look back and we're all smiling doing this stuff. And I go, yeah, but we're all still more anxious if we're not careful. We all can have more worry during this time if we're not careful. And so, I want to address those things today. I want to hit some of those things that that can be joy killers in our life. And we can just nix those. The next time they raise their head, we can just take them out back and take care of them. All right? Does that sound good? Y'all know me. I'm a take them out back kind of guy. <laughs> I don't know if that's biblical, but um, I'll let you decipher that. The, the first joy killer is this. It's exactly what Paul's talking about is our worry. All right? Our, our first one is our worry. We worry about stuff. The more stuff you have, the more stuff you have to worry about. We worry about health. 
right? We worry about family, we're about career, worry about finances, we're about relationships. I could just go on. All I got to do is just start saying words and we worry about those things. And I want to tell you that it's, it's incredible. Like this year in, in 2018, the United States contributes more to this list than anybody, but the, the uh, official list of phobias has surpassed 500. So you could almost name anything, and there are people that have phobias of that, that are afraid of those things. I'm, I'm going to list you the top three, and I want audience participation on this. All right, If this is you, you just either make a noise or raise a hand. All right, Does that sound good? The first one, I bet you all know it, it is arachnophobia. Yeah, first picture. Uh-huh, I'm not looking at it. No, spiders actually don't really bother me. Um, I, you know, you don't know if something bothers you till you get in the spot with it. Does that make sense? Like some people, you don't know if you're claustrophobic until somebody shuts you in the trunk, you know, like that kind of thing. For fun, for fun. <laughs> but I, I remember, so I, I got saved in college and I was working at the 3M plant in, in Weatherford. And I wanted to, a, a different opportunity, a different job. I wanted to be around some people that were, you know, encouraging and all that. So I started asking around people that we knew. And we found this guy that was a, a Christian that was a friend of ours. And he owned this business. And his business was spraying for termites and insects and stuff under houses. And I thought, I don't think I'm claustrophobic. I, I can do this, you know. So the first day you, you go under a house and it's pier and beam. So you got these beams that are all holding your house up. And you just go under there with a little spade and you dig around those. You get it all prepped. You fill holes. You prop things up, all kinds of stuff. And then you do two a day. So you do one in the first in the morning. And then you show up and you spray all the termite stuff in there. And it gets, gets rid of it. First day was super easy. The crawl space was about this big. At times I could even sit on my rear end and I'm like I'm working like this this is easy and it paid really good it paid like twenty bucks an hour twenty five years ago so I was like this is this is awesome and they're way overpaying us for this and then there's day two and day two the we go into inside of a house that was about eighty years old and the the entry point to underneath the house was in an interior closet and it was about a foot and a half square so. We, start to, we open it up and start to go in there, and they had piped the dryer vent to the floor for the last 80 years. So as you look under the house with your light, it looked like a blue horror movie. All over, Everything was covered with blue lint from wall to wall in the house. And so I look at Steve, the guy that's with me. He looks at me. He goes, you're the new guy. I was bigger than Steve, though, so we were going to talk about that for a minute. But I said, okay, it doesn't bother me. And at this job, you have to, you wear coveralls, and you wear a head thing that covers up your head, and goggles, and you gloves, and you tape up all around your cuffs and everything. Because as you're crawling, things like to get warm and get around your legs and arms and crawl into your clothes and all that kind of stuff. So I, I stepped down through that. It's only about this tall. Step down to kind of work my way back. And every time you peel open the blue lint, uh, 60 trillion spiders just go like that. And so our job was to go around the entire perimeter of the house all the way back around to here. That was my job. And his was going to go through the middle and zigzag. 
And I'm like, okay, well, once we got about six or seven feet, the floor joists were so close to the ground that you had to dig and go under each floor joist. You kind of had to pull yourself. And every time, one time I just stopped and I started dying laughing because there's like four spiders on my goggles. And Steve goes, Morris, you okay? And I said, yeah, this is just testing me on every level. Claustrophobia, spiders, the whole bit. And he goes, well, I was just checking because I had a guy freak out a couple of years ago. We had to tear out a wall to get him out of here. <laughs> yeah, some dude got around the side of the house and just locked up and couldn't do it. So I, I'm, I'm not claustrophobic and I'm not afraid of spiders. I'm good. I don't like them biting me, just officially. Hear that, Lord? I don't like them biting me, but I'm not afraid of them. The second one you may know, I have to read this one because it doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, don't show the picture yet. S- do you know what ophidiaphobia is? Why, don't they, why do they name it ophidiophobia? Why not just call it snake phobia? Yeah. Yeah. Snakes don't bother me either. I can't say, I, I, yeah, hands. I can't say as much for our worship leader. Because <laughs> a couple of years ago, we had a great big one out here. Uh, and we had, he was on the glass and he was trying to get in. I said, I'll get him. And so I went out there and got a stick and grabbed him. And I noticed that Kyle is about 60 feet back over there, and he's trying to video me. And I said, what, are you afraid, Kyle? And it was on the web for a little bit. I think Kyle has partitioned the defense department to take it all down. But I just thought it was too good of an opportunity not to just throw the snake at him. And Kyle can jump. Do y'all know that? Like, he's got like a five-feet vertical. I mean, he just, he didn't even squat. It just from ankles, just whoo, just like... Me and Michael laughed so hard, it was hilarious. And then we just took him out in the field and left him. So, y'all understand, spiders, that's real, right? Snakes, it's real. And what's funny is most of the time you can't do a whole lot about it. Like you're just kind of born with that or you had a traumatic experience when you're little and it stays with you. And then the third one is 100% me. It's kind of a weird version of me, but it's 100% me. The, the third one is a, uh, acrophobia, which is the fear of heights. Which is funny because I love planes, I love roller coasters, but if you get me in this room on a 25-foot scissor lift, I'm just not enjoying it at all. I'll do it to an extent, and then I just freeze up. We had some scaffolding that went all the way to the top up there, and I went up at one time, and I'm holding on, and like they're trying to move stuff, and I'm like, no, don't move that. I'm going down, and y'all are going to step here, okay? And I just... Right back down. Kyle and and Tyler, our student pastor, that didn't bother them at all. They're like monkeys all over that stuff. But you can throw me 30,000 feet up in a plane. I love it. So how many many spider people do we have? Spider phobia? All right. How many snake phobias do we have? How many height phobias do we have? Cool. So did we cover everybody? Do, Do you understand? There's plenty of things to worry about, Right? There's plenty of things to worry about. The second one is this, our whys. Oh, why? 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 Lord, why? Why did this happen? I didn't want it to happen. Why? Was this your will? Why? 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 Why did you allow that to happen? I'm not getting any amens, but I know I'm hitting on nerves. Do you know what I'm saying? Like the whys in life. If we don't understand that we don't get all the answers, 
The Bible says the righteous walk by faith and not by sight. And wow, that is a multi-layered verse. The righteous, the people that are right standing with God, that trust, that put their trust in him, they walk by faith that he's got it under control. And don't let the why bring anxiousness and concern and worry into our lives. The third one is the who's, our who's, our who. You have a who in your life? You have a relative that you're going to see at Christmas? See the who? See the who? You know what they say, if you don't have a who, you may be the who. I didn't say that, they said it, all right? But it is, there are people, it may be a boss, it may be a co-worker, it may be a neighbor, maybe somebody like that, that a who is in our life. And those are things that the, the, the who's in our life, the people in our life, that if we're not careful and put it in the proper spot, that can actually steal our joy and we become anxious about being around them, about having a conversation with them. If you're with me on any of those three, say Amen. Here's the important part as we go into the good news of this message, that those reasons do not go away with the truth. Those reasons are still going to be there, right? The worries are still going to be there, amen? The whys are still going to be there, and the who's in our life are still going to be there. So if they're going to be there, and we can't do anything about that, not always, sometimes we can do some things, but most times they're still going to be there. Life is still going to happen. Then we have to figure out the correct way to handle that so that our joy in life doesn't get stolen. Amen? How, let me ask you this. Jesus is watching, taking notes, all right? How many of you don't want your joy stolen? Amen? Yeah, I don't want my joy stolen. Listen, when I, when I think about messages and, and what, what message do we talk about, some messages are very explanatory. They expound on a thought or a verse or a scripture. Like this series, I want to give you stuff that is so practical that you say, this will improve my life dramatically just because I know Jesus wants it in my life. Like he wants you to have joy. When the angel that we read last week, when the angel showed up to the shepherds, he said, listen, the news that I'm bringing is going to bring great, tremendous joy to all people. You have a Messiah. You have a Savior. And that's, what the, that's the joy that I want each of us to have. So let's, let's talk about some of the keys to joy. Let's jump down to verse 10 in Philippians 4, and it says this. Remember, this is Paul. He's wrapping up this, these thoughts. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know that you have always been concerned about me, but you didn't have a chance to help me. I'm not saying this because I am me in need, for I have learned. Everybody say, I've learned. I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Learning is very important. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. He's going both, both ends for us here. I know what it means to just be rock bottom. I know what it means to have everything I need. Both, both sides. Also have learned. Everybody say, I've learned. Super important. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Here's the, here's the decision I want us to make today. I want us to learn to make the joy decision every day. How about that? If the reasons are going to stay there, I'm, I'll just fight for it. How about that? I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and do I'll I'll go ahead and push forward with what God wants, even though I may not be feeling that at the time. Whew. How many of you know feelings can be strong? And they can, they can really be correct to the circumstances. 
But then we have to decide, am I going to let that feeling drive me or am I going to grab a hold of what God wants for me? It's so true. Paul said, listen, I praise God for what you're doing in my life. And I'm not just saying this for bad motives because, like to get anything out of it, because here's my secret. Hold on a minute. Here's what Paul's going to do. He's going to show us that if you have the right learning, that it can actually change your motives for pure. Paul said, I'm not saying this to get something from you. I know that you always wanted to help me. You prayed for me, all that. That's what he just said, right? And I'm just saying that because I love you guys. I'm not saying it because I want something because twice he says, I've learned to be content whatever the situation. It's never going to be perfect all the time. So I have to learn to be content. I have to learn to have joy in spite of the circumstances. Isn't that good? So, so what are ways that those play out? And Paul tells us in the next four or five verses, and we're going to read that one again with the ending on it. But here's some ways that this plays out in our everyday life. Here's the practical part, so you want to take notes here. The first one is this, to pray about everything. So we go back and we read. Remember, we started this message with, don't be anxious about anything. But that was only part of the verse. I hate reading just part of a verse. Now let's put it all in context. Paul says this, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything. Come on, real loud, say everything. Listen, he's, he's not just talking about four things. But Paul's saying in everything in life. Think, think about your everything real quick. Going to visit family? Yep, that's in there. Going to work? Yep, that's in there. The teacher that, 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 that I'm dealing with at school, the professor, the boss, the coworker, whatever the situation, everything, don't worry about it. Don't be anxious. Don't let it steal your joy. You know how you do that? The first step, you pray about it. You pray about it. There's something supernatural that happens in prayer. I tell people all the time, it's the most spiritual, the most supernatural thing you'll ever do in your life is to talk to the creator of the universe about stuff that's going on in your life. Period. You want to be supernatural? Go pray. You want to be super spiritual? Go pray. And pray about everything. Let's continue reading. It's so good. Two parts here. By prayer and petition. So you're taking it to God and with thanksgiving. I love this because he's checking us real quick. He's saying whether your glass is half full or half empty, come to God with your prayers and your list of things that's going on in your life, things you need, things you telling God about, all the things. But do it with glass half full attitude. Because how many of you know whatever your perspective is on that glass can change how you pray for things? He said, come with thanksgiving. Come focusing on, well, if it's only a quarter of the way full, Lord, I'm so thankful for those two sips. I'm so thankful for that quarter that you've put in there. I'm so thankful for what you have done in my life. Start with the basics. Thanksgiving, present your request to God. And here's what happens. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will then guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's exactly what we're talking about today. You want joy throughout the seasons, no matter what the circumstance, no matter if the turkey gets burnt or somebody flips the baked beans over in your brand new carpet. Come on, I'm preaching somebody. Whatever happens, if you get stuck with the worst gift at the office secret Santa party, whatever happens, I want you to have joy. God says, I want you to have joy. And if you start with praying about everything, especially those things that make you anxious, come to God and give them to Him. And then in that process, what happens as you learn those things, that's the very next verse, as you learn those things, God guards your hearts against the junk, against the stress, against the circumstances, and He guards your minds so that you can have peace in all circumstances. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for the letters of Paul like this. 
The second thing is this. Think about the right things. We did say all these three steps were going to be intentional, didn't we? Isn't it amazing how many times, like Jesus walked on water. He raised dead people. He caused nature to change, like when he calmed the storm. Like Jesus could do anything. I believe that. The longer I live, the more I study it, the more I believe it. I believe he could do anything. Then why does he ask us to do so much? He said, I'm going to give you the power. I'm going to give you the direction. I'm going to give you the ability. But you got to do it. And it's the same reason we have our kids do that. Same reason you don't just say, just stay in bed and I'll bring you your food, baby. I'll, I'll dress you. Don't go get in the shower. I'll just bring you a sponge bath. Right? You know what I'm saying? Like That just makes a lazy, non-thankful person. It's us putting it into practice. And so thinking about the right things. Let's just read it for ourselves. In verse 8, it says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true. This is, I say it in five words. Think about the right things. Paul, he's got a lot better speaking, writing than me. This is how he says it. But think about the things that he lists here. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy. So then he just lumps it all in. All these good things in life, think about those things. Because there's other things that's going to compete for that, right? So if, if you want joy, if you want that peace of God, then intentionally put good things in, right? In youth ministry, I used to say, garbage in, garbage out. And then as an adult, I say, garbage in, garbage out. Because it's the exact same thing. I have to intentionally put good stuff in. Sometimes I read the Bible because I love it. God is speaking to me. It's awesome. And other times I read the Bible because I know it is the best thing that I can put into my life. We have to intentionally put stuff into our lives. Think about this before we move on to the third one. What, what do you listen to? What do you watch? What do you read? Who do you visit with? Think about that. I don't know, but think about that for you. It's super important that we evaluate the things that are just getting casually put into our lives and say to ourselves, I'm going to intentionally think about things that are praiseworthy, things that are trustworthy, things that are honorable and noble. And whatever is good, that's how I'm going to focus my life. Amen? I want to give God some good building blocks to build up joy and peace and hope and faithfulness in my life. And how I'm going to do that is I'm going to think on the right things. Amen? Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, me too. There you go. And the last one is this, to trust God in all things. So that verse that I just read you that said, I've learned to be content in all circumstances, there's one part I left out at the very end. Let me, let's read it one more time. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And then one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. God said, if you'll do it, if you'll, if you'll think on good things, if you'll bring prayer, bring your, your, your situations, your life to me in prayer and thankfulness, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you the strength to get through it without it running your life. I'm going to give you the strength to get through it and have joy in your life. I'm going to give you the strength to walk through it and not just not get worse, but get better. 
you know I apply that verse I don't tell people this a lot I don't know you can't apply every verse to every situation in life it wasn't it wasn't meant for us it was meant for somebody else you can't just you know go out to the cemetery and I'm sad that my grandpa passed away and I'm just gonna pray the same prayer over Lazarus and raise him from this it's not the way it works but can I tell you this verse Philippians 4 13 I can do everything I can't everything he calls me to do everything he allows into my life everything that I walk into everything that I set my eyes on everything that I experience everything that happens to me I can make it through it you know why? because he gives me the strength to do that he gives me some steps that I can do also that I can bring my prayer to him thanksgiving he'll guard my heart and my mind I can think on the right things then once that happens and then at the end of it I can say Lord I'm not just going to get through this but I'm going to get through it and become more like you because I can do everything through you who gives me strength. Amen? That's what it's all about. Philippians 4, we read that verse, I can do all things, I can do everything. And sometimes we forget that the whole first half of the chapter is meant for people just like me and you that are going through everyday life, that are going to have to go have dinner with their families after driving six hours with cranky kids, get full and drive six hours home. That's part of it. Let's start seeing the glass half full. Let's start taking those anxious things to God and saying, Lord, your word says this. Second Peter says, cast your cares on God. Give God your worries, your anxiousness. And you know why? You know what? It doesn't say that he'll make everything perfect. It doesn't say that he'll change all those things. You know what it says? Cast your cares on him because he cares for you. It's a measure of trust that goes there. You go up to your mom or dad when you're a little kid and go, I can't do this. They go, okay, I'll do it. Give it to me. Give it to me. And you go, okay, what are you going to do with it? I don't, I don't know. Just give it to me. If you don't want it, give it to me. And then there's a measure of trust there with our Father that we have to say, Lord, I don't know what you're going to do with this, but I do know what you're going to do with me. If I continue to cast my cares and my anxiousness and my anxiety and my worries, my who's and my what's on you, you said that you'd guard my heart guard my mind. Give me peace in times of trouble. That you'd help me think about good things. Help me to focus my life intentionally on your will for my life. And in the process of all of that, that I could hold on to the joy that comes from my salvation and my relationship with you. Amen. God wants us to have joy, not just during Christmas, all times of the year got a dump truck of it. More than we can handle. I think that about everything. God's got more than we can handle. Increase our capacity, Lord. That's what I pray. Help me, help us to learn. Just like Paul said multiple times, help us to learn. Let's pray today. Lord, we're so thankful for your word. It is a reminder that you're in charge. It's a reminder that we can't do life without you and even get close to where you want us. Paul said it's like look, looking through a dark, tinted glass. We just, we just see a little bit. But with you in our lives, Lord, we know that you bring peace, that you bring thankfulness, and that you bring a joy that is from the soul, from an, an inward place that's not dependent upon circumstances or events of our life, that even in spite of those, we can learn to guard our hearts and our minds and have joy unspeakable 
and full of glory. That glory from you, Lord. Lord, I pray for people in this room today that struggle with joy. There are people in our church family right now that are struggling with joy because it's that time of year. It's that time of year when those things get brought to the surface, when those who's in their life get brought face to face, when those whys get reminded of those during this time. But Lord, right now, we all together, we cast our care. We make that commitment. We're going to learn to be content by giving you the things that worry us, that brings anxiousness. We're going to bring it all to you in prayer, Lord, every day, two or three or four or five times a day, however much it needs for us to learn. We're going to pray, Lord, and we're going to be thankful in doing it. We're going to see the glass and the world in our life half full. We're going to give you praise for that. And in return, we just ask that you would be with us, that you'd guard our hearts and our minds, that you'd show us the right things to focus on, to think about, to watch, to listen to, and that you'd let your joy swell up in our lives, fuel us, guide us every day. We love you, Lord. And with your eyes still closed, let me, let me pray one more prayer. I want to pray because there may be somebody in this room that you've never taken the first step to trust God. See, you can't put all of his word into practice if you've not first put him in your heart. And so today I want to pray one last prayer for somebody in this room that you know, say, you know what, today I need to take a step and not just trust God on Sunday mornings from 9.30 to 10.30, but trust him with my soul, trust him with my heart, my, my career, trust him with my family. I need to put all of me in God's hands so that I can see all of what he's talking about in his word in my life. If that's you, will you let me know that you want me to pray for you, that you're making that decision today? Awesome. You put your hand right back down. I won't call you up front or embarrass you. I just want you to make that decision for yourself right here. Let me know. Anyone else? Super proud of you. I love it when moms and dads, aunts and uncles make that decision today trusting him with everything wow awesome anyone else thank you Lord it's our prayer every week Lord we'll sing we'll lead in worship we'll preach we'll teach the kids but will you change hearts will you draw us closer to you Lord I pray for these that have raised their hand today I pray that right now that they would tell you that's, that's me that's me come into my life Lord Come into my life. Change me. I give you all of me. I trust you with all of me. And teach me from this day forward to live for you. Teach me what it's really about to trust you from day to day, from week to week and year to year. Lord, I pray for everyone that raised their hand in here today, the moms and dads and and friends, that you would forgive them of all past, Lord, right now. That's one of the things that you say that you immediately do, Lord is you save us from our past. You forgive us from the guilt and the shame that comes from past mistakes. Right now, I pray that you would do that. And Lord, that you would put in them a hope of salvation that only comes from you. The joy that comes from knowing that they are saved, that they're on your list and on your radar, that they're in a relationship with you. And I pray that from this day forward, Lord, you would walk with them, that you would talk with them, that you would teach them by your spirit and by your word how to be their child, how to be your child and your follower. We love you, Lord. It's in your name that we pray and everyone said amen. Amen, amen, amen.